Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hello, everyone. It's Mick Collagio with Rink Wrap, the podcast. And I am Mick Collagio. I write for the Standard Times in New Bedford, Mass. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mick Collagio. You can read my blog at southcoasttoday.com. Whoops, let's restart that. Blogs.southcoasttoday.com slash Bruins. And my special guest today is Mike Loftus, the Gatehouse Bruins beat writer. He works at the Patriot Ledger in Quincy, Mass. And you can read his stuff at ledger.com and follow on Twitter at M Loftus underscore Ledger L E D G E R, Mike. How many? How long have you been at the Ledger? Been at the Ledger. Well, does the do the college days count? Yeah, let's count them all. Let's okay. count them all. So that would be oh seventy nine to eighty five. <laughs> the slow learner program there. That's and a then, lot. And then 87 until now. So I took a okay. two-year break, worked for the Patriots for a couple of years. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. So it was a couple. Okay. I didn't, yeah. I was been telling everybody, oh yeah, he walked for the Patriots for one year. No, it was actually two? Two seasons. Two seasons. Okay. Got him in the playoffs twice and left and, you know. That's right. And somebody else has to carry the uh, mantle the rest of the way, right? Yeah. And somebody did. Um, you've been on the Bruins beat since? Uh, halfway through 88, 89. The last half of Terry O'Reilly's final season as coach they brought you up the same time as Don Sweeney then it was you know what I it was it was really interesting when I started they had four regular defensemen out of their lineup it was uh, Bork Al Peterson Michael Telvin and Gord Kluzak was still kicking around there so they had to bring up Don Sweeney Greg Hoggood Elaine Cote and what about Shoebottom Stefan Quintal all that, wow. They all came up from, it was the May Mariners at the time. Right. And their their proven defensemen were Gary Galley and Glenn Wesley, and Glenn Wesley was in his second year. Right. So that was, and you know, that's... Old oh, veteran. Yeah. You know, until until guys came back, uh, it was it was a little bit rough, but, uh, you know, got, got into the playoffs, and of course, you know, Sweeney was the guy that, that had the career out of that. Yeah, I guess so. And, uh, and Q, too. Quintal, I mean. Well, he fu- functioned importantly in a trade, too. Yeah, with Janney, right? Yep. Uh, no, that was. Yeah. yeah he and, to St. Louis for Adam Oates. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, uh, uh, the Bruins, uh, it's funny, that 91-92 season yes. uh, came to mind yesterday when John Farrell got fired as manager of the Red Sox after being the only manager oh. ever to win the division <laughs> title two years in a row. Yeah. Poor Bones, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Rick Bones coached the Boston Bruins in the 1991-92 season. That's the only season he ever coached them, and he did something that no coach in Bruins history had done, I think, since 1927, which is sweep the Montreal Canadiens in a playoff series, and his booby prize was <laughs> he got fired. <laughs> so. Although, no, still, still kicking around. I mean, I believe, is he still in Tampa? Is he an assistant there? He's, he's never really been... Out of the game? Been out of it. I yeah. Mean, the, the head coaching thing, he was the first Senators coach, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, Which was 92-93. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the very next season. So, because he had, yeah, Bonus had, you know, that was a crazy year, too. I think it was Olympics and maybe it was... Uh, a strike. strike. You know, so, he had, 
he had like 50 players, you know, go through there that year. Incredible yeah. uh, se- season that they were a very tired hockey team, the core, Bork mm-hmm. especially. Um, when you consider they went to all the, you know, to the 88 finals, they went to the 90 finals, yep. were first overall in 90, 1990, went to the semis in 91, and then you get to 91, 92, and they're a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't take long. And what's funny is how how the Olympics back in the amateur Olympic days, you could have your lineup spiked the way uh, Janney and Joyce did in '88, yep. though, and then it happened with these other guys in '90. At the end of that season, it changed the complexion of the oh, whole yeah. team going into the end. Murray came up as well, Glenn yeah, Murray. So was, yeah, Donato Hines is, is Juno in that. Yeah, yeah, Joey Juno yeah. from Canada. There yeah, was one guy, one defenseman, Hines. Um, I think he was an American. H y n e s. Um, yep. Wasn't much of it, but yeah, they had, um, you know, and then they all had to deal with Brian Sutter the next year. That's right. (laughs) Sutter and McVie. Yes, like they were largely American, like, you know, Teddy and and Hines and these were, you know, college kids. That's right. You know, but they they lived to tell the tale. They did, they did. Yeah, and in the words of the the late uh, E.J. McGuire, the late great E.J. McGuire, the Boston Bruins uh, during the 95 uh, series against the eventual champion Devils, too many water bugs. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, but we're here to talk about uh, the current Boston Bruins, which will kind of trebuchet us about uh, three decades forward here. And hard to believe this is all that long ago. It's amazing when you think about it. Um, But uh, obviously a debacle in Denver. Um, uh, We printed out the sheets here so we could take a quick glance at what we watched on television last night when the Bruins were dropping their second game in a row to the upstart avalanche. And, uh, Mike, what were your general impressions on the game as you saw it? Uh, You know, I I was thinking, okay, so maybe this is is a case where you know, could it be something where it's just like not a good match for the Bruins? Um, you know, is there something that, that Colorado has seen somehow that lets them exploit, you know, what the Bruins are doing? But, I, you know, in these, in these two games, you know, and you go back to the Monday game, the 4-1 loss to the same team, just easy goals, you know, no, no coverage, no, no real defensive structure at this point with this team and um you know that's that's what kind of you know sticks out to me i mean it's it's two on one goals you know power play goal um the the first one that was a unfortunately a uh, jake debrusque you know didn't get the puck out you know just they're making it easy for teams to score mm-hmm. and that's you know I, I you know not quite so much in the nashville game but the first goal they gave up in that game at the end of the first period was a you know really bad turnover right in their you know defensive circle after they won a face off and just you know so that's i don't care how young you are and how fast you are you you can't just like make it easy for teams to score right so my immediate expectation after watching the uh, this body of work against mm-hmm. colorado in these two games has been that the next bruins game we watch we're going to see shorter passes we're going to see them trying to take maybe a half a zone to a zone instead of two zones to half the rink with each play. Um, you won't see guys fly in the zone. You might not see defensemen quite as eager to jump into holes and say, hit me, you know. Right, yeah. it, I, I just think they need to calm down a little bit here and realize that uh, if you if everybody's a gambler, um, the house is going to win. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I was thinking the same thing too, even when – I. I I didn't really, you know, I wasn't watching it live. I watched part last night. I watched a little bit more, you know, thoroughly today. 
and I had the thought that, you know, sometimes when you see the game go back and forth like it was, and, and it was one of those things where, you know, how many times have we heard that, you know, you'll be watching a game like that and the broadcasters will say, you know, these are the kind of games that give a coach a heart attack, right? But I think this is when Bruce Cassidy coaches, you know, like he, he doesn't mind, I don't think, getting into a, a track meet. He wants to play very fast. But, you know, there still has to be, you're right. I mean, like a lot of their problems were they couldn't make a pass last night, you know, just everything, offensive zone. They had, you know, they had a chance. I think they'd probably give up one goal because a short pass went off like Brad Marshall on skate and, and out they go the other way and come down and score. So, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's not, I, I don't know so much that it's, that it's chemistry or anything like that. It's, it's just kind of like fundamentals, coverage, where you're supposed to be in the defensive zone and, you know, you got to make a pass. Uh, I think this is happening around the league as well. New Jersey schooled Toronto. Yeah. Now, now who saw that coming? That's, you know, here's another one where Toronto is coming on the ice with a team that uh, overachieved last year. Uh, we all know that they have, in the long view, they have tremendous potential in that roster. But having so much early success, they walk onto the ice. I'm having a hard time believing, not believing that. This team thinks, oh, okay, we got, we're going to have fun tonight. Yeah, and they go in there and and uh, and look. Speaking of uh, another Hines, we, we got the coach in New Jersey, mm-hmm. just like the anonymous uh, Jared Bednar in Colorado, yeah. who, with no fanfare and nobody giving either one of these teams a prayer of staying out of the lottery, they're going out there right now and beating the hell out of teams that are coming in thinking that they're better. And that seems to be like a thread right now around the league. It's a little bit of that going on around. Yeah, I, I wondered, you know, I wondered that too. And I think like, you know, if you look at the, at the Bruins lineup, I, I wonder if that might be in play like in the Monday game. Like, you know, do, do, does Jake DeBrus, does Anders Bjork, does McAvoy, do they know that, you know, I mean, the Avalanche, like, they were like last in the NHL last year. By a lot. By like 21 points, you know. <laughs> That, that's a terrible, terrible year. And I don't know how much different they are this year. I don't, you know, I confess to not really watching them very much last year. But, you know, is that like, ah, eh, you know, the home game, you know, we won, we, we just beat Nashville. Was there a little bit of, you know, overconfidence there? Maybe, but it shouldn't have been last night, you know. Right. So that's, that's, that's I think, you know, what makes last night's game a little bit more troubling, yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit worse than it looks. You know? Yeah, uh, you know, and and I think to the inconvenient reality of Thursday's opener may also be that the Bruins were playing that role against the Predators, who are coming yeah, off okay. the Stanley Cup final, and 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 may have been going in thinking, okay, this Bruins team is rebuilding, and and uh, they don't have Bergeron and the best player, and let's go get them, you know, and and also what I think Nashville was playing Pittsburgh in its second game too. Right. You know, so oh, right. perhaps, you know, they're, you know, they, they may have their mind on that one too, a little bit. How, right. You know, how could you not? We all ask the question and they all say, well, yes. uh, but we have to think <laughs> about the two point. You know what? You say what you say, but yeah. everybody knows it's how do you, how do you avoid it? So, so you're right about that one. Um, uh, Danton Heinen got in last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he skated a lot. 
more productively than what I had seen last year from him. He seemed like one of those guys who just didn't have that NHL stride. You know, Mike Babcock was talking about Brad Marchand's drivetrain after mm-hmm. the Olympics. And, and it's, you have this situation with other guys who, who don't necessarily were blessed with a great ability to make, be with that kind of skater who one push and down the rink he goes, you know, yeah. uh, Heinen's not that guy, but he seemed like he was a much better version of himself last night than what I remember from last year it's funny i mean you always i mean i've always kind of seen that in the practices when he's been around um you know for just to go back to the you know to what people will consider the dark ages but you know that was one of the things that claude was saying about him last year claude julian you know like you know his his speed and he could get you know get up to speed quickly i don't know what it was in in a real nhl game but he just he he stood still all the time Mm -hmm. you know he reminded me of um you know, sometimes you get these, like these good minor league players. Koklachev kind of comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd go down, you'd see him in Providence. He could do whatever he wanted, and the puck would always find him. He'd come to Boston. Granted, not that often, but you know, just kind of there and stand there and wait for it to get to him. Mm. And I think that was Danton's problem last season. And I don't think he learned from the early experience because when he came up a second time, he was right back down. Last night. <laughs> Especially at the end, you know, in the third period, I thought, you know, something went on and he was like, he had a, he had a good chance. Corrali kind of cleared a path for him. And this was on the play where they scored the goal where, you know, he had the puck and he took some strides and he took it like right to the net, mm. which is not, you know, I don't think that's going to be a huge part of his game. But I, I think maybe as opposed to some other guys, you know, who are here and maybe on the fringe of getting, you know, booted from the lineup, you know, Vetrano comes to mind. Uh, yeah, you need to you need to do something. If you don't have that much ice time, you know, when you have an opportunity, you need to do something. And I thought Heinen did. Uh, Monday, I thought Vetrano worked extremely hard on his shifts. He looked to me like he was trying to skate as hard as he could, finish any hit he could catch up to within the allowed window. Um, and uh, last night, I didn't sense it so much. You know that he was, you know, more kind of stuck where everybody else was in the game. Um, obviously, the, a team that comes into a season with so many young yes. <clears throat> young defensemen, there's no way to get around the fact that there's going to be um, weeks and months even yeah. of curve, and you need the goalie to be great. Kind right. of like Tuca was at the beginning of last year. Mm-hmm. He really allowed this team to sort of find itself yeah. – that performance is not in the on the stat sheet yet this year. Right. Although I thought not so much last night, but on Monday in the home game, I thought he made some tremendous saves early in the game, even mm-hmm. though they didn't have that many shots. Every single one of them was a glittering opportunity, oh, yeah. Yeah. and and so uh, you know I don't want to pick him apart, but he does need to be the best version of himself yes, exactly. in order for this young core of D's to survive the curve that comes with playing such a fire wagon kind of game. Yeah. I mean, the second game, I mean, obviously there was, there was, there was the one, the third goal that he blew, you know, that yep. he just made a late decision. You know, that the first, that the first goal there, which, I mean, you just, you used to see teams always try to score a goal like that. You know, the dump and chase, you know, get there first, throw it into the middle and get a shot. You know, that to me, like in this day and age is, Hey, nobody. Nobody usually even plays for that anymore. You know? mm-hmm. 
unless you're a third or fourth line, you know, guy, but you know, someone's wide open. And actually, he made a bad shot. He kind of put it right into Tuker, and it hit Tuker, and it went in. You know? mm-hmm. So you would like to have that save, but you never should give up that chance. And that I agree. Well, from the slot, and he's coming yeah. with speed. Yeah. I, I, to me, categorically, the do- that doesn't become the goalie's fault. And I always hate it when anybody blames the goalie for a save that he almost made and he got a piece of yeah. it and then it goes in. Hey, that might be great that he got a piece of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, In this case, I thought that, uh, that it was a good play because they had two guys. McKinnon was first, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he was sort of blew by the pass and went to the net. And the second guy is the one who got the puck sure, and, yeah. and scored. Uh, and, and, you know, at that point, Anders Bjork is, you know, is beside him, a little behind him. And you say to yourself, maybe a month from now, yes, yep. that gets stopped. I don't know. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's I, – I agree with you. If, if you get another save from him in these last couple of games – Maybe there's a shot. I mean, but I I think the you know the the game that we just saw last night, the the six three loss, and he gave up the four. You know, it's it's two on ones. It's I mean, it's just they're easy. There was there was another one, another play out of the corner, and it's on Duchesne's stick for like a half a second. He puts it off the bar, and you know I'm not going to get mad at most goalies for letting that in. You know, I, I'm I'm mad at the, that team for like leaving that guy so wide open. You know, mm-hmm. like, and and. Uh, you know, it just, they, he, you know, I, I thought he had two pretty good periods last night. I, I'm sure I'm in the minority, uh, but I, you know, I don't, I don't fault him a lot for, for what's happened so far. Right. You want to see him, you want to see him in the zone. You want to yes. see him be lights out because right now they kind of need it. Uh, and uh, just because when you have a team like this, that's trying to play an ambitious style of hockey, it's going to be difficult to survive the growing pains that comes with that without stellar goaltending. I remember back in 96, the Buffalo Sabres were scraping the bottom of the barrel, and they did not trade Dominic Hasek. Mm-hmm. And I asked uh, John Muckler after the next season, which, you know, they won the division, uh, why didn't you move on from him and get even more? And he said, well, we were young and we needed Dom. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year, we were helping Dom. Yeah. The question always is, and this is the toughest one for a GM, is can we survive this and make the playoffs mm-hmm. this way? Because there's no there's no getting around it. These there's gonna be rough sledding these couple of yeah. months here while they're getting this. And I don't know if Cassidy needs to tweak things and get a little more of that um uh, more of a conservative approach toward not alter the entire philosophy. Sure. But maybe just take it in smaller bites, maybe. Yeah. It's hard, too. I mean, because if you, you know, we haven't touched on it yet with, you know, the guys who aren't in the lineup. But, you know, you're going to have to use your third line, your fourth line. You know, you have to use those, those, those lines over the course of your game. And if you look at their third lines and their fourth lines now, with, say, you know, Bergeron out of the top six and, and back us up out of the bottom six and a ch- there's like there's like one grown-up among those you know six forwards you know it and it's it's Bolesky. but you know you have you have Schaller and you have Corrali and you know Spooner is just not an effective five-on-five player at all um you know Heinen was in there Vetrano I mean those are guys that are going to have to get into the game a lot I mean so I don't I don't there's there's a difficulty I think settling things down they've sort of 
you know, especially in second period last night, they're giving up goals like, you know, like those ones that come in bunches, you know, they can't like, they can't settle it down. And that's, you know, I think that's, that's an issue there too. We're talking with Mike Loftus, the Gatehouse Bruins beat writer. He works for the Patriot Ledger in Quincy, Mass. And you're listening to Rink Wrap, the podcast with Mick Collagio, your host, that's me, out of the Standard Times in New Bedford. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking about the Boston Bruins and their 1-2 and two start. They've lost totally avalanche after defeating the Nashville Predators in this uh, very ironic uh, start to the uh, 17-18 season. Uh, Mikey, we were just talking about uh, bottom six forwards. Matt Bolesky, 11 minutes, 19 seconds. Uh, he's a guy who, who looks like he wanted to come in lighter this year. He wanted to be faster. He wanted not to have happen what happened last year. He looks like he may never score another goal. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure what's you know, you know what's going to give there. Um, uh, well, wh- how are you looking at his game right now and what he's able to produce and and how uh, what should be expected? You know, it's fine. I feel like I I need to say something bad about someone or else I'm going to be <laughs> accused of being an apologist. I thought he had a very good training camp, and I I think right now it's kind of it's a, a function sort of of, of Maybe who he's playing with, um, you know. I, I, I had a I had a conversation with him during the thing, and it was you know it was interesting. I mean, because I don't I don't he's a he's a you know he's a physical player, mm. and he's a solid guy. But I, I never considered him like one of these you know really big. But he told me that for the first time since he was a teenager, he was under two hundred pounds. He got to 199, so he didn't lose. You know, he, he was usually in the 206, 208 in there, mm. but he just, you know, I mean, I, he, he took everything that happened to him last year, I think, to heart, and I thought he was having a good camp. The thing is, you're right, he, he does, but he uh, he's 11 minutes. He's not getting a lot of time. I, I think, you know, again, he he's spending a lot of it with Ryan Spooner. Mm. That just has never worked. It might work a little bit better now that jimmy hayes i mean that might have been like you know and i, I don't like to and vetrano yeah i mean but you know uh, Bolesky, spooner and hayes might have been i mean that might have been like the worst line in the nhl you know and i just like statistically you know a bunch of guys that were all way way minus and um and Bolesky had no chance right yeah he was so, just trying to bring some dirt dog mentality yeah. to a line of two guys who who are pretty much uh, just um, five on five. Let's hope the shift ends before anything bad happens. So by I, so by the end of last night, he was playing with uh, Corrali and Heinen. I think he was on a different line to start that game. Okay. Yes, he was. He started. Um, he started with Spooner and Vetrano. Yep. Finished with, uh, and that was just a third line thing. So I don't know. Um, I feel like he's a fourth line guy now. Mm-hmm. You know, with with what they have, um, it's you know 
just just knowing that like me you believe that tim schaller is more capable of scoring a goal oh yeah yeah schaller's an interesting guy he, he reminds me you know to go back a little bit of like kind of like steve hines you know that it, it, you know sometimes like well schaller never looks like clumsy to me but you know like he it's he's not doing anything special most of the time but he always seems to find a way to get a good scoring chance like every single game mm. he reminds me he's got a really good um good knack and sean thornton was great i don't think he ever misses the net when he shoots yeah you know? right right like never. how many times did jake debrus miss the net well let's let's see what the stat sheet says Watch but uh withdrawn. yeah i know it i know it uh it'd be like one uh ms under jake debrusque is two i remember more than that yeah. <laughs> and i'm gonna go yeah i must be wrong here with Schaller last night am i um and no, no miss shots he doesn't. He just, you know. You're right. And and I mean, I always I used to joke with Thorn uh, Thorn about it, but you know, Thorn was great with it. You know, he he would shoot from bad angles, but you know, goalies would have to stop it. Goalies would have to cover it. So you're you're good. You know, your offensive players come out, they get an offensive zone face off, or there's a scrum, and maybe there's a penalty, and Thornton never took it. Thornton mm. never left them shorthanded, or you know, or there's a. You know, any number of things, a rebound, you know. He was, you know, and he used to kid, you know, because he was made a business of being self-deprecating. He's like, you know, you wouldn't, you think that with, like, all those shots on goal, you know, some would go in. I was like, no, you're not trying to shoot him to go in. But anyway, Schaller, I think, is is more capable. And I think I wasn't sure quite how Cassidy felt about him. But I think if there was any, if he was on the fence at all, I I don't see Scheller as a kind of a guy that, you know, you would take out of the lineup. You know, he can he can do too many things and he He can play center, yeah. Yeah, and he can play, you know, up. You know, you could put him on the third line. Uh, you know, it, it may be I, I mean, it would not shock me if if some at some point Krejci winds up with him in yeah. a short window okay. of time just because he's such a classic muck and grind yeah. or on a power play instead of say like DeBrusque on that second power play, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what, you know, DeBrusque is going to the front of the net. That's Right. And DeBrusque kind of has a skating stance that kind of looks power forward-ish, yeah. but he's not that huge a guy. Um, and so he needs to be moving hard around the rink in order to for his own game to work uh, as it as it develops here. It's so early for him, too. But Schaller is a little older. The guy's got some experience. And and um, I don't know. I kind of like to think he might be like uh, have a future as like a poor man's Mike Rupp. Okay, it might be the facial resemblance yeah. or something. But they're both. Uh, well, he's not as big as Rupp, but he's a big left-handed shot, and he positions well. Yeah. He's industrial. You never get the sense that he's going to do something stupid out there or put his team in a bad spot. And and you get the sense that he may have some carpet diem around the net. Um, so I guess if you're thinking like you know who are the candidates to come out of the lineup, right? I mean. I, I, right now, I don't see them getting anything from Vetrano. And he also, this is on top of having a, a very unimpressive camp, you know, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, so, it wasn't, by all accounts, it wasn't good. Right. So I, I saw them, I saw bringing Heinen up as, you know, they had no extra forwards and you're not going to make a trip without an extra. But I thought, I, I saw that as like a little, a little bump at, at Vetrano. Um, they sat out Zarnik instead. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't, I don't know that there's a spot for Zarnik here right now, unfortunately, which is too bad because he had a very good game. He did. He did. Um, he deserved better than what's happening yeah. to him since the season started. You, you, you could you could 
take Bolesky out, I, I, I think then maybe, maybe you're getting a little bit younger than you want to be, you know. That um, and you don't want to really shoot the lights out of his confidence. Right. It's really important that they, as long as he can put forward, you know, a hardworking shift and, and you keep him in these limited minutes, uh, he seems to me like a guy that uh, you just don't want to send that message to right now. It's too early. Yeah. And also, too, there's a, you know, like you brought it up earlier that, you know, like teams are always going to say to us, like, you know, you know, we never under, we don't underestimate anybody, you know, and, um, you know, every two points is worth two points. And, we, you know, another thing that you always hear that I don't always buy is like, you know, we don't we don't pay any attention to, you know, to what's, you know, to what's going on with the other team. We just focus on ourselves. Right. I don't know. You might come. Ag- you might come up against a team that looks at the Bruins lineup and say, hey, "Look at this! Like half this team is nineteen, twenty, twenty-one years old." You know, let's let's see what they're made of. Mm. Bolesky is a pretty good guy to have around in a case like that because now you know you don't have Backus, you don't have Achari. You know, somebody with some bulk and who's not afraid, and you know. And you don't want your defenseman doing all no, that. I mean, you don't want if it's always coming down to McQuaid or Kevin, Kevin Miller, Brown. then you're gonna get guys injured that you can't afford to to get injured. Or you don't want them out for five minutes, you know, right? If there's another penalty, I mean, we saw that. Uh, I guess we saw it a little bit last night. You know, McQuaid McQuaid took a penalty. Mm. They scored on the power play, but then because of you know the infraction, he had to have a fight afterwards. Yeah, and so now it's like whatever seven minutes without the guy and the continuity probably really affects 10 minutes of the hockey game which yeah. is half of a period yeah. and there was i mean that was another interesting thing that i saw last night i'd seen it a little bit in the monday game but i saw it a lot more but i i think i saw a mcavoy chara pairing there was there right? was uh, there was a ver- it wasn't long but it was there yeah and it also i it also that makes it kevin miller and carlo and that to me became like the third pairing Part of it probably is, you know, you want Krug out a little bit more if you can. Especially when, you, when you're chasing when you're the game. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe that's, you know, maybe that's not saying like, oh, Carlo got bumped to the third pair. But I don't I don't think he's had a good start. I think that's probably something that Bruce wouldn't want to do, the, you know, the kids playing in his hometown. But he's just, uh, to me, like, you know, really struggled with the puck when you, you know, when you, when you talk about difficulty passing, you know, it, it was there last year. A lot of Brandon Carlo passes turned into icings. Yeah. Um, this year, it's just the shorter stuff. Um, I just I think he's had a hard time with it so far. I, I think he might be one of those guys too that if he can't play at an even tempo, and his first thought is the successful one, mm-hmm. if he has to improvise from there and yeah. do Plan B, he's he's challenged. Yep. He's not the best at figuring that out. Um, so he's one of those guys who, at his best, is kind of a system player uh, in a in a hard kind of game so even in a pairing with chara chara needs to be the dominant puck mover there yeah and with his experience he obviously can be the guy's put up uh, points in uh you know when slightly younger he's put up a lot of points um i'm just looking at uh d-bend ice time real quick here yeah mcquade only limited uh 1242 thanks to the uh, situation he was in with the penalty and then the fight yeah. Um, that, he's not, not going to play as much. You know, I'm, I'm sure he didn't play very much in the third period. Uh, you know? Right, right. We don't have the yellow sheet here. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> but now, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, now they have kind of – it's a different option that, that Bruce has is that, you know, 
you're going to use, you know, Krug a lot when you're chasing the game, but you're also going to have McAvoy out there right. a lot, you know. Playmaker. So, and I think maybe I did see a, a Krug-McAvoy pairing, you know, here and there in the third period. There was. There was also that when they were really uh, trying to trying to work their trying way back. Trying back, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so uh, and now they got the Coyotes, which is a team that made some really uh, significant offseason moves getting Nicholas Jamerson from the Blackhawks mm-hmm. to play with Ekman Larson. And, uh, and now you have yourself there. It was pretty, pretty nice uh, defense pairing on a team that uh, they let their goalie go. Um, uh, you know, and nobody expects much out of them, in the, in, you know, because you still don't have a whole lot of scoring, even though you got a young player up front that they're, everybody's excited about in Domi. But um, uh, the Bruins now uh, – uh, what do you think that they need to have happen here over these next two games of this trip in order to uh, come back to the Vancouver game next Thursday night with a sense of uh, good feeling besides, you know, packing four points? Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's really important. And I, it just from based on what the what the, you know, Bruce has said, I they've if, if they can get their game down to a point where they're still playing fast but like limit the chances against them I think they would consider that like a you know a positive step you know obviously the four and it's hard to you know it's hard not to look at it it's like you know Arizona I mean I don't know if this is their first game since they got you know annihilated by Vegas but you know that was a that was a terrible look you know and then you know so maybe Vegas you know Vegas that that team I looked at that I was like all right you know that's you know, that's not hands down the worst team in this league. A lot of adrenaline. Yeah. Be yeah. interesting to see, though. Wouldn't it be something if that was the game that Malcolm Subban started? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't given that any thought, but now I, that I you was, mention it. I was surprised to see that he is the backup. I mean, obviously, you can't get him through waivers. You know, right. So they kind of have to keep him, but he dressed for that, that home opener. He so. did. So I remember watching the ceremony and seeing yeah. the whole, then watching Malcolm yeah. walk out, and they, yeah. with uh, as they did with all these uh, first responders and... And uh, it's a heck of a ceremony. You know, and also, too, I mean, really quickly, if, if they get any sense that either, you know, Bergeron can play or has, like, turned a corner with this thing, that would be a, that would be a big deal. I, I understand, like, why people are, you know, get a little frustrated by these first three games. But, you know, one of the things that this was Bruce Cassidy's first training camp with these guys. And for two weeks and all the exhibition games, I think he did everything he wants. And then all of a sudden, you know, his best player can't play. His third line guy, his veteran, you know, diverticulitis out of nowhere. He can't play. David Backus. And then in the first game, second period, a really valuable, you know, Achari is a valuable guy. So, like that whole first training camp, not every single thing was set, but I think everything except for the third line on that team was set. And now it's all kind of blown up in the space of a few days after camp. So, there's, there's, I think. I also sense a little bit of disorganization here, and I think it's, you know, whatever. They always say it's not an excuse, but I believe it's a factor. Um, it's got to be a little deja vu for them, too, considering yeah. how they went into the playoffs. Yes, right. Uh, At the beginning of last year, too. I mean, Bergeron didn't play. They did have Bacchus, but then Bacchus, remember, he ended up in the hospital last October, too, right. with, like, the bursa sacks and stuff That's like right, that. the elbow, yes. Before anybody really knew where he was supposed to play. You know? Right. So just... 
you know, yeah, it is. A lot of false starts. Yes, exactly. Right. So, so, uh, so the moral of the story is, is that the Bruins are a work in progress. And what you obviously hope for from a fan perspective is, is that they don't get too far behind the eight ball here mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a, it's a difficult mosh pit. Uh, with the NHL, the way it's structured, you may have five elites, three that know they have no shot, even though those teams are winning right now. Yeah, right. And then you have uh, uh, the vast middle. And right now, the Bruins, uh, you know, it's it's shaky right now, shaky ground right now in the middle. Um, we've enjoyed having Mike Loftus on here from the Patriot Ledger. He is the gatehouse beat writer for Bruins Hockey, and you can read him at ledger.com. And don't forget to follow his his very witty tweets at M, at M Loftus, that's L-O-F-T-U-S, underscore Ledger. And uh, sings, thanks. Sings, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> and I, I incidentally, and completely unrelated to this, I have learned in the last 24 hours that there was another Art Ross trophy originated by Art Ross himself prior to the Art Ross trophy that goes to the top scorer for the regular season in the NHL. What did it go for? Like most Twitter followers? No? <laughs> yeah, no. We didn't quite have Twitter yet. I think uh, maybe we had uh, uh, MySpace. No. Uh, Art, the Art Ross trophy was actually for a, the winner of a golf tournament in Marshfield. That when he was with the Bruins, he originated this thing and said there'd be a trophy for it. <laughs> yeah, I just found this out. It's it's hilarious. My my pal Kevin Votor, the season ticket holder to whom I've oh, okay. referred uh, mm-hmm. at uh, various times, he um, has just been delivered this incredible. Uh, he's calling it the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea Scrolls of Bruins hockey. He's in his cellar every day, pouring through this stuff that he just acquired that has all of these historical artifacts that. None of us ever knew existed. Oh. Uh, yeah, so, th- so there'll be more. Um, I just uh, found a prom picture in my house, but that's probably not anything. <laughs> <laughs> Is there an award for that? I don't know. Best, wor- best use of brown. <laughs> you can find Rink Wrap, the podcast. Um, I'm told it's on Google Play, iTunes, and we'll link to it. And uh, even when Mike Loftus writes in the Standard Times uh, at southcoasttoday.com, carries a Mike Loftus Bruins beat uh, article, uh, sometimes we link the Rink Wrap podcast uh, to that if you view it online at southcoasttoday.com. But uh, that's it for today, and we'll be looking forward to doing more of these Rink Wrap podcasts, and we'll certainly want to have Mike again down, uh, down the road when it's convenient for him. Um, Bruins away from home. They'll be back Thursday, next Thursday, against the Vancouver Canucks, which could be interesting as well. Uh, I'm Mick Collagio, and until the next episode of Rink Wrap, the podcast, happy hockey, everyone. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.